join us. We'd like to welcome you all as we start this new school year, as we come back together. We're so excited to see everyone. Let's lift our voices in praise to God together.
you, Father. We are in awe of you. You are the almighty God and creator of the universe. And yet you love each one of us so deeply. May we be ever open to all that you have to teach us to speak into our hearts and our lives. Make us expectant as we wait for you, God. Amen. worship, I'd like to invite the ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us. And at this time, any children who would like to go to children's church are also dismissed.
Scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 72. It is of Solomon. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted ones among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun and as long as the moon through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound until the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him gifts. May all the kings bow down to him, and all the nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted one who has no help. 
He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from the oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all the nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This concludes the prayers of David, son of Jesse. It's great to see all of you as we gather for worship today. And especially want to welcome uh, Houghton Academy, Houghton College students, uh, either here for the first time or back to campus. Uh, we are always excited to have you here. It's, I could sense even this week as uh, students are coming into town, just the anticipation growing. And it's a, it's a great part of who we are as a church to welcome you here. There are a lot of things in, in your bulletin about uh, events and, and things coming up in the life of the church. Tonight at 7, Koinonia, which is, for those of you who aren't aware, is a worship ministry by uh, college students. It will take place in Wesley Chapel that we sponsor uh, tonight, 7 o'clock, and this is a Sunday night event each week. Uh, You may want to sing in the church choir. Uh, They sing in the 11 o'clock service, but we'd love to have you be a part of that if you're interested, and the rehearsal start this week. There's an insert in your bulletin, in fact, there's a lot of inserts in your bulletin today, about uh, music and worship ministry. If you're interested in being a part of the worship team, singing in a choir, playing, doing a variety of things, um, we would love to have you uh, be a part of that. Just mark that box. You can, uh, there's a box in the back that you can just drop those into or hand it to me or uh, any of the, the pastors that you see here. We're happy to take those. There's also another insert about getting connected, ways of working with students, uh, working with children, being a part of Sunday school, Wednesday night programs, various things during the week. Um, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night. There are all kinds of things going on. And I, I am convinced that one of the most profound ways we grow spiritually is through serving one another and serving others. So we'd love to have you involved. And again, you can drop that in the back as well. Uh, there's another insert about small groups that begin a couple of weeks. Uh, there are some groups that are specifically designed for college students, uh, Lagos groups. And also we have Sunday school will be starting up next week. We have a lot of adult classes, and we'd love to have all of you be a part of those. That Most of the Sunday School takes place during this service, but we are starting this year a service at 11 o'clock. It is a service that we're targeting college students, but it's certainly open to anyone who wants to be a part of it. And Don and Jeannie Little will be leading that class, so you see a little bit of information about that. And uh, the other insert is about Wednesday night clubs. And uh, we'd love to have you be a part of that. If you would like, in Ministry of Children on Wednesday evenings. And also, when we talk about Sunday school, we have a couple of needs for Sunday school. Just need some assistance. You don't have to be the teacher or the leader, but just assistance for the kindergarten class and fourth grade. The kindergarten is especially needy. They have 17 children in that class. So we need a little help uh, for that group. They're great kids, but uh, just, you know, just someone to be there, to be a presence. It's an opportunity to love children and to care for them. And so let me encourage you to uh, think about that and you see contact information related to that. Also, next week, we are collecting uh, the jars for our uh, Matthew 820 initiative. And one of you, if you've been a part of that, where we're collecting money for refugees, uh, bring your jar with you. And uh, someone asked me, well, can I just write a check? And do it? We really want you to bring your jars, however much money you have in them. And we're going to do something uh, ceremonial to collect all of this, something that will you know, remind us uh, that we've collected it. And then we'll give the jars back to you, give you another booklet, give out new jars to people who don't have them, and uh, to uh, take the next three months, again, thinking about refugees, praying for refugees, giving to refugees. So uh, we hope you'll be a part of that next Sunday. There are a lot of other things happening here in the life of the church. Um, one of them is uh, Christian Life Emphasis Week. That also is an insert about that. And we also have, have the privilege of having J.L. Miller here. Uh, J.L. works with Mike Jordan as the dean of the chapel. And uh, J.L. is going to share just a moment about some ways, some things, opportunities for you to be involved in spiritual life things at the college.
Good morning. Thanks, Wes, for the time to be able to announce today. Uh, Mike Jordan is making announcements at the other. I'm going to not knock this over. Uh, Mike Jordan is making announcements at each of the other services, but this service he has responsibilities up on campus and asked me to speak on his behalf. On Friday, he and I were both part of the new student dedication service, and after the service, we were wearing similar colored suits, and I had two people mistake me for Mike. Uh, Mike said, did you correct them? I said, no, I just did my best to not bring shame to your family. Uh, <laughs> So uh, it, was, it was just situations where they were thanking him for the service, so I thought it was okay to just not make the people feel embarrassed. But today I will tell you, I am, I am not Mike Jordan, but I do have permission to speak on his behalf. Uh, I was having a conversation with Mike recently, and he was talking about conversations he was having with community members and students that were essentially two sides of the same coin. Community members longing for connections with the college students, remembering days in the past where a large number of students would live uh, in community members' homes and, and wishing that there was opportunities to do life in quite the same way again. And students talking with Mike about their desire to connect with community members, students who are able to recognize that they chose a college with more mentors than things to do and realizing that, that that's an important piece of, of what makes Houghton unique for them in their college choice. And so Mike has a deep passion to find ways to connect community members, this body of believers here at Houghton Wesleyan, and the students on campus. Now, Wes has already highlighted a whole variety of ways going on at the church and, and many ways that students and community members can integrate their lives together. But Mike wanted to make sure that he highlighted four specific things that he helps oversee that community members are invited to. The first is morning prayer. Every day that there are classes, Monday through Friday at 7.30 in the morning, there's a 15-minute service of morning prayer, a time of focusing our day on God's word for us, scripture is read, a hymn is sung, some prayers are shared. And if you've got the time before work or you're up in the morning anyway and you want to stop by and be a part of that, Mike will tell you where it is and, and, and you're more than welcome to join in. There's also chapel, which many of you are aware of, but Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11.05, time of worship and preaching and singing together. And you're always welcome to join chapel. Chapel is streamed uh, live online and it's also posted later, but it's great to have community members uh, part of the service. Each afternoon, we have daily communion. Uh, some of you participated in this last year, but daily communion this year is rotating to some different buildings on campus. You are welcome, if your time is free, at 345, as we kind of wrap up the academic day, to partake in communion with students, faculty, and staff that are there. Again, contact Mike for the details. One other interesting tidbit is if you aren't free every day at 345 or aren't interested in engaging in communion by being there for the service, uh, Mike is really interested in having community members bake bread to serve uh, as the communion bread. He thinks uh, it would be particularly unique for students to have the experience that as they were remembering the body and blood of Christ, to know that the bread is coming from the hands and homes of, of people in this community. Uh, the last one is Clue. Wes already mentioned it, uh, but we're super excited about A.J. Swoboda coming to speak this year. Uh, A.J. is someone that we previously booked on our own choice for chapel, so he's someone that, that Mike, on behalf of the college, has already decided was a great communicator for the student body. And it would mean a ton to those of us who are up on campus participating with, the, participating with the spiritual life of the students to see community members come out to those evening services in full force, just showing the students the support that you have in this unique opportunity of uh, spiritual life emphasis with, with Clue Week. So thanks so much for your time. I look forward to seeing many of you on camp. I'm just knocking everything over. All right. My, I talk with my hands too much, apparently. All right. On campus, off campus, uh, but thanks so much for your time. I just want to make sure you notice he said he wanted you to bake bread, not make wine. So we just want to make sure that's clear. We're just looking at half of that. Before uh, we move forward, take a minute. Let's stand and greet those who are seated around you. Maybe introduce yourself to someone that you haven't met yet.
Someone said to me this week, this world we live in is a mess. I couldn't agree more. Look around. Look at, read the news. Watch, uh, watch life evolve around us. This world is a mess in every possible way. What I find interesting as I contemplate that is that everyone has some idea of how it could be better. Right? You have ideas of how it could be better. In many ways, that's sort of the, the, the bottom line of the whole political uh, landscape. Every politician, every person running for office, doesn't matter what the office is, where it is, and their, their particular uh, platform, everyone is telling us, if you elect me, I can help make the world a better place. I got better policies, I have better ideas, I have things that I can put into place that will make your life, my life, other people's lives better. We may disagree with them, but everyone has some idea of how the world might be better. And so does God. God didn't create the world to be this mess. God didn't create the world for pain and for people to be abused and manipulated. God didn't create the world for the powerful to take advantage of the powerless, for greed to rule. God did not create the world that way. It is us who has created the world like that. But God, not only did he, God, just because God didn't create the world that way doesn't mean he isn't interested in it changing to be more of what he created it to be. And when we read the beginning of Genesis, we get an image of what the world was created to be. When we read the end of Revelation, we get an image of what the world is going to be. And all the time in between, God is at work bringing about the changes to move us to better and better and better through His grace. And Psalm 72 is one of the images we get in Scripture of what God wants the world to be. The dreams that God has for this world that is such a mess, it is now, it was then. This is Psalm of Solomon. Don't know exactly when Solomon writes this psalm, but I have a feeling he writes it at the beginning of ascending his throne. It has that feel to it. It feels like Second Chronicles 7 of his great prayer for God's blessing upon his, uh, his reign. It has that sense. And it is really a prayer. It is a prayer of Solomon. And we might think, what, is our li- what do our lives have anything to do with the prayer of a king thousands of years ago? What did the people of Israel have to do with this? This is just about the king. But when you read the Old Testament, you find very quickly that the kings are put in place primarily to model and lead the people in what God wants them to do. And what the king does is what God wants the pe- what the king what God wants the king to do is what God wants the people to do. Which is why they all end up being in the mess together. And so a psalm like this is not just about Solomon, it's about Israel, which means it's not just about other people, it's as much about you and me as anyone else. And he starts this psalm by saying, give the king a love for God's justice and righteousness. Give the king a love for God's justice and righteousness. I doubt if any of us would say we're in favor of injustice. But do we have a love for justice? Do we love justice enough to sacrifice? Do we love justice enough to get involved? Do we love justice the way God does? Do we love justice and righteousness the way God does? He goes on in these first five verses and on into 12, 13, and 14, talking about what that justice and righteousness looks like. And all of it is describing how God's people treat those who are most vulnerable in society. How do we treat people 
who are on the edges of society? How do we treat people who seem insignificant to the rest of the world? What do we do about the powerless? What do we do about the people who are so often taken advantage of and manipulated and used? Who are crushed under the weight of greed? What do we do? What does it mean to us? Over and over again, the scriptures tell us about the heart of God toward people who are most vulnerable. And he continually talks about how we ought to be involved in their lives and be a presence of helping them. That's just one of the reasons why we've gotten involved in this refugee project. In our world, refugees are some of the most vulnerable people in the world. They're homeless. They're displaced. Some of them, many of them live in camps, and that's almost worse than being homeless sometimes. If we love justice the way God does, that's important to us. The people who are on, living on streets, the people who live in violent neighborhoods, the people who are missing out on all that God has for them, they're important to us. Important enough to care and to do something about it and to be involved. And it hasn't always been the church's track record. I read this morning, today is the 53rd anniversary of the March on Washington and the famous Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. It made me think back to when I was young and how the church I was a part of and many of the churches that we connected with were very suspicious of the civil rights movement. There were lots of reasons, I'm sure, why that was the case. But as I pondered that, I've realized that of all people, the church should have been marching in the front of the line. The church should have been out front saying, spray the hoses on us. Arrest us. Because we care enough about people who are treated as if they are not human. And the problem is, much of that treatment is still going on. Do we love justice the way God does? A justice that cares about people that most of society doesn't care about. The issues of our world and our culture, do we care about them? There's something about the way he phrases verses 6 and 7 that grabbed me. He talks about how the reign of the king is like a refreshing spring rain on freshly cut grass. Like showers that water the earth. I don't know if you've noticed, but over the past few weeks, not having much rain this summer, the grass has gotten fairly brown. But we've had this rain over the last couple of weeks and everything has gotten green. And there is something about what rain does, a refreshing rain that that brings life. And as I pondered that, I realized one of the primary callings of God's people is to be a uh, to nurture an atmosphere of refreshing in this world. Because so much of the world lives in an atmosphere that depletes us, that drains us. We walk away from some people, you know, and, and we feel like we have more energy than when we started. And we walk away from other people and we feel like we have hardly any energy left at all. And I think the calling on the church, if we're going to care about justice, something about our presence nurtures this atmosphere that refreshes people and society and culture and every place that we are. And I I sense our argument tends to be, well, hey, we're speaking the truth. And when you speak the truth, sometimes people don't like it and and they don't they they hate us and they're antagonistic against us. And that's. That's just the way it is because we have to speak the truth. And you notice he doesn't talk about justice only. He talks about justice and righteousness. This is not justice in the perspective of this is how human beings view justice. This is how God views justice and righteousness and truth and what is right. But the question I have to keep asking myself when when I get into these scenarios is, am I creating an atmosphere of negativity because I'm speaking the truth and people don't want to hear it, or is it because I'm really more interested in my agenda? 
than I am the truth. And what's my motivation? What's my attitude? Is my attitude anger or is my attitude compassion? Is my attitude love or is my attitude apathy? How do I feel about the people that I'm speaking to, I'm talking with, I'm, I'm trying to share the truth with? And the thing about being a, uh, creating an atmosphere of refreshing is that it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it takes relationship. It takes being a presence. And so often, we just want to say what we want to say and move on. It, it takes being present with people like Jesus was. And the other thing that comes to my mind is that geez, no one spoke the truth clearer than Jesus did. And no one spoke the, the truth more accurately than Jesus did. And yet, what's so fascinating is that all these people, typically the most socially and, and morally bankrupt people in that society were flocking to him. Something about the way Jesus spoke and lived. I was reading about um, how the nation of Russia has um, begun cracking down on uh, foreign uh, NGOs who are in in the country. So much so that almost two-thirds of them have left the country now. And some of the other Soviet states are following suit and, and they're wanting, trying to make the, the, those jobs become more in-country. And, and there certainly have been abuses, I'm sure, to that, which has stimulated this decision. But the Ukraine is an exception. And in the Ukraine, the president just signed a bill giving uh, all the Christian churches and actually begging the Christian churches, inviting them to create Christian private schools. Because... They want them there. And someone understanding the situation said, the church is the most trusted entity in the whole country. Wow. That takes being a presence. That's creating an atmosphere of refreshing. But let's make it closer to home because this is where we live. Last week, Cindy and I were in a grocery store in, in Buffalo. I think it was Tops. And uh, we were in line, getting in line, and we have this theory that, you know, whatever line we get into, it doesn't matter how many people are in it, how many people are in other lines. Our line is going to be the one that they need a price check or the tape or the machine runs out or, you know, they may need a manager or somebody forgot something, they run back. In fact, we've had happen so often to us, we are convinced it's because we're in line that those things happen. Uh, there are times I want to turn to people behind me and say, you don't know what you're getting yourself into here. You're better off finding some other line to get into because you're not going to like it. But for once, we were in a line. It was kind of moving. And, and the, but I heard some commotion behind me. And the person behind me was, uh, they were having a difficulty with the cash register. Something had malfunctioned. And a woman was finishing her order. And, the, and the, the, the cashier could not get the computer to do what it was supposed to do. And they're calling assistant managers and managers and maintenance people. And all these people are gathered around this computer trying to figure out what's going on. And this woman's standing there like, I don't know what to do. And the guy behind her is getting more and more irritated and upset. And he's talking to his wife. But he's doing that talk to your wife so that everybody can hear you talking to your wife thing. Oh, this is so stupid. I can't believe they're not opening more lines. This is ridiculous. I believe you have to wait here like this. And he's just on and on and on and getting louder and louder and more intense and more upset. And he wanted to make sure that all the employees could, could hear him. And I'm listening to this whole thing take place, and, a, and a, thought, a couple of thoughts came to my mind. One is, I feel sorry for this woman who's just trying to finish her order. I feel sorry for the people trying to work on this machine. I don't feel at all sorry for the guy who's whining and complaining. Because actually, he's being kind of a jerk. And almost immediately, the second thought came to me. How many times I've been that guy? Talking like that, reacting like that, creating more tension than less. And in that moment, I, I, mean, I silently prayed to myself, Lord, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I, I, I want to be the kind of person that in these situations, is able to laugh and to see humor in it and to be patient and kind. 
that's the kind of person I want to be. And I know far too often I'm not. I want to be the kind of person that you go to a store that people know you and the cashiers know you and when they see you coming to check out, they are happy you're going to get in their line as opposed to the kind of person that people run to take a break when they see you maybe getting in their line. But it's not just about being closer to home. Maybe the most profound place where we can create an atmosphere of refreshing is in our homes. And in the places where we live, our, our, with our family, our roommates, our dorm mates, our colleagues, our neighbors, those people who see us when we're just us. What kind of atmosphere are we creating in those places? Are we the kind of person that walks into the home and everyone is saying, this is awesome? Or when we walk in the home, people are saying, we've got to walk on eggshells. We want to be this, this spirit of, that refreshes because it starts in our homes. It starts in the places where we spend our time among people who we, we spend our time with. And it's not easy. I, I think there are two perspectives that we need to, to be this kind of, of influence in the world. And one of them is patience. We need godly patience. We need the kind of patience that, that is like, that's like Christ. That's like, that's like God, who is eternally patient with us. We need the kind of patience that says, Lord, I realize that change doesn't happen immediately. I'm I'm willing to be patient about creating this atmosphere and seeing people respond. And maybe people don't respond at all. Maybe it doesn't feel like they're responding positively to us one single bit. But that doesn't keep us from being committed to this kind of perspective. Wanting this kind of atmosphere. Recognizing that things don't change immediately overnight, rarely. And to see that it's it's this dynamic of living between the now and the not yet. And we live in between the now and the not yet. And in that perspective, there is patience. When I look at the, how the, the scriptures are, are mapped out for us, and you have Genesis 1 and 2 and God's creation. It's so awesome. And then you have sin entering. If it were me, I think I would have had Jesus come in Genesis 4. Right? Let's just do this thing. Why are we waiting? And these happen now. Come on. Right? Not Matthew 1. What's going on all this time? Because as Paul writes in Galatians, at just the right time, God sent his son. God's about the process. It's about relationships. Relationship with him, relationship with each other. And that means patience. Trusting that God is at work whether we see it or not. Trusting that our responsibility is to pray for God to give us this patient spirit and then let him do what he needs to do. And the second thing is humility. I think patience and humility are like two sides of the same coin. It's hard to be patient if you aren't humble. It's hard to be humble if you aren't patient. It's the kind of humility that we see in Christ It goes to the cross, but it's not, it doesn't start with Christ. God has always been humble. Humility is a part of who God is. It's humility that 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 leads him to create human beings. It's humility that leads him to to, uh, choose someone like Abraham with all of his his failings. It's humility that he chooses Moses, a murderer, to lead his people out of out of Egypt. It's humility that God identifies himself with this ragtag group of Israelites that keep going against him through the centuries. It's humility that connects God to the church, to people like you and me. It's humility that God would say, those people, people, what people's opinion of me is based on their opinion of them. Wow. 
takes humility. And humility is costly. Humility is a risk. Humility means that we, we, aren't in, we don't have to be in control. We trust God. We trust Him. Ultimately, as, this, as the kingdom begins to expand in all the world, we, we have this heart for all people. And ultimately, it comes down to this perspective of wanting Christ to so live in us that we begin to look like Him and think like Him and see like He sees and hear like He hears. In one of his books, Andy Crouch makes this provocative statement. God's intention from the beginning was to create a world of idols. You know what? Images. Not images of wood and stone or gold and silver, but images of flesh and blood and hands and feet and eyes and lips. Genesis is clear. We're created in the image of God. And people who are followers of Christ are people who bear the image of Christ. And where we go and what we do, our prayer is that God will will give us the privilege and the joy of representing Christ. As we come to this table we're really coming in, in celebration of who God is. And we're coming in celebration of the privilege we have as God's agents of refreshing in this world. And we join in with the congregation at the end of this psalm and say, to God's glory, amen. Amen. So be it. Let it be. God, this is exactly what I want to happen. This is the desire of my heart. And as we pray that, we're praying, God, do what you need to do in me to make this more and more a reality. It's our calling. It's our privilege. It's God's grace. I encourage us every day to make this our prayer. May I, may we be people who love God's justice and righteousness so much that we, become, we nurture an atmosphere in His grace of refreshing in this world. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your grace to us. We thank you for all the ways that you are at work in us and in this world. This morning we bring before you the burdens and concerns, not only of uh, our hearts and our lives, but others as well. This morning we pray for all who are grieving today. We think of Bruce Brenneman and his, Bruce's family. We pray for your grace and comfort upon them. Others who are grieving, may you, they know your comforting presence. We pray, Father, for all who are struggling with illness and pain, difficulty, and we pray that your healing touch would be upon each one of them. We pray, Lord, for the ministries of this church as we are in that transition time. and Speak to our hearts about what we might do. Let our ministries truly be means of spiritual growth for us. We pray for churches around us. Today we think of the, the uh, Rawson Baptist Church in Cuba and Pastor Holmes. Pray you'd pour out your spirit on this this congregation that they would be light and and healing for each other and for their community. We pray for the the needs of the world beyond us. We think of of John and Sylvia Christensen and their work in the Kisar Island. Pour out your spirit upon them and the fruit of their labors. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are trying to to get Bibles to those who do not have them. We pray that you would make that possible, that you would prepare the way that people would have the scriptures that are so vital. We pray, Lord, for all who are 
refugees that are fleeing various places of the world and trying to just exist. May your grace be upon them. For those who are struggling with recent disasters and terrorist attacks, we think especially the people in Italy, bring healing and grace to every situation. We pray, Father, for Houghton College, Houghton Academy, as beginning this new academic year, pour out your blessing on every administrator, faculty, staff, students. May this be an awesome year academically, but and relationally and spiritually. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. We pray, Father, for your blessing upon the bread and the cup. May it be food to our souls that as we eat and drink, we may know the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. We may declare together, Amen, to who you are and to the privilege you've given us. That we want nothing more than to have your heart. Thank you for your grace upon us. Be glorified as we continue in our worship. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We're going to receive communion this morning by the mode of intention. It just means to dip in. As you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it, and then return to your seats by the outside aisles. Altar rails always open if you would like to stay and pray. We do have uh, trays of bread and cups. We're happy to serve you in your seat if you would like to do that. And I also have gluten-free wafers and cups here. If you'd like those, just let me know as you come forward. I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. This might be the first time you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with a desire for Christ to fill you in such a way that you begin to look more and more like Christ, then come. Receive these gifts from our gracious, loving Heavenly Father. Lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy.
He's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare His praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. Every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sin. Peace.